I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, accusations of sexual misconduct at a San Francisco high school lead to questions about a settlement deal that the district made with the man accused. According to a lawsuit, two women now say that when they were underage students at George Washington High School in the Richmond district, they were sexually abused by the school's former athletic director, Lawrence Youngyet Chan. Chan has not commented. He's also not been charged criminally. But the accusations are raising questions about whether the district failed to protect its students. As both of the women, referred to now in the lawsuits as Jane Doe 1 and Jane Doe 2, say they were preyed upon on campus. The district's response is also raising questions. The Chronicle's investigative team obtained the district's settlement deal with Lawrence Young Yet Chan. It indicates that instead of firing him, the school district allowed him to resign and placed some limitations on how San Francisco might communicate with other districts looking to hire Chan in the future. My guest today is Chronicle investigative reporter Cynthia Dizikas. Cynthia, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me here. Cynthia, tell us what happened in San Francisco Superior Court. Yeah, so to understand what happened Thursday, we need to go back to August. This August, a former student at George Washington High School in San Francisco alleged that the school's ex-athletic director sexually abused her on campus for years when she was under 18. And then last week on Thursday, another former student came forward alleging that she too was sexually abused by Chan on campus when she was a sophomore. And this second Jane Doe, did she come forward because she saw news coverage? Yeah. So um, the Lauren Siri, the lawyer for Jane Doe 1, said that after they filed that lawsuit and, and the Chronicle and other news wrote about it, Jane Doe 2 reached out to her. All right, Cynthia, let's go back to the beginning. When does this all start? Uh, The former students, as you noted, identified as Jane Doe 1 and Jane Doe 2 in the lawsuit. They alleged that um, Lawrence Youngyet Chan, who was then the school's athletic director, began grooming them around 2012. And, um, you know, that included buying them gifts, giving them rides to and from school, and isolating them on school grounds. Cynthia, let's go back to the beginning. When does this all start? So Jane Doe 1 and Jane Doe 2 said that it started really with grooming behavior on the part of Lawrence Young Yet Chan, and that that began in 2012. And that behavior included him buying them gifts, lunch, giving them rides to and from school, and isolating them on school grounds. So he's a young athletic director. They are students. What do they say happened? So they say that that grooming behavior progressed to sexual abuse. And in Jane Doe 2's case, she alleges that that also began in 2012 when she was around 16 years old. And she said she didn't report that abuse at the time because she was afraid. But two years later, around 2014, Jane Doe 1 alleged that Chan also began sexually abusing her. And in her case, she said that Chan would sometimes request that she be excused from class and sent to his office. And she said he would then take her to a locker room and sexually assault her there before sending her back to class. And that former student said, this is again Jane Doe 1, she said her teacher thought the requests were odd, but allowed her to go and took no action to report it. So after she graduated from high school, she told a college guidance counselor in 2017 what had happened. And that person, who was a mandated reporter, notified the San Francisco Police Department. 
and they in turn notified the San Francisco Unified School District. So in 2017, that's when Jane Doe One's allegations were made to the school district. So Cynthia, now the school district knows and the San Francisco Police Department knows. So what happens next? We don't know as much about what happened with the police investigation. We reached out to the San Francisco Police Department. They declined to comment. We have a pending records request with them. We know that he was not ultimately charged coming out of that investigation. Concurrently, the San Francisco School District placed Chan on administrative leave in May 2017 while they investigated the allegations of misconduct. They ultimately found that he had violated their uh, policy on professional boundaries, and they were moving to fire him in August of that year when they instead entered into the settlement agreement with him that allowed him to resign. Okay, I want to get to that settlement agreement with you. But first, what do we know about Mr. Chan and his history in San Francisco schools? So we obtained portions of Chan's employment record with the San Francisco Unified School District. And it looks like Chan, who is, he's 35 years old now, he actually attended George Washington High School. And then shortly after that, got a position as a girls basketball coach at Presidio Middle School in 2005. Um After that, he became athletic director at George Washington High School in 2010, and he also did some campus security jobs for the school district and worked at the San Francisco Recreation and Park Department as a recreation leader through 2020. And has he responded either to you or to the district about these accusations? So Chan has not responded to the allegations contained in the lawsuit, and we were unable to reach him. As part of his settlement with the district, he admitted no wrongdoing, um, and he denied that he had given the district cause to fire him. All right, Cynthia, let's take a quick break. When we come back, more with Chronicle reporter Cynthia Dizekas right after this. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bullwood, joined by Chronicle investigative reporter Cynthia Dizekas. We're talking about a couple former students in San Francisco's school district who say When they were at George Washington High School, they were sexually abused by a former athletic director. The school district entered into a settlement agreement in which the former athletic director was going to be fired, but ended up resigning. Cynthia, let's talk about that settlement agreement and agreements like it. What did this one specify and why did San Francisco enter into it? Okay, so you remember when the school district is first notified about the allegations against Chan, it's May 2017, they immediately place him on paid administrative leave and they begin investigating. He's also banned from going onto school district property, from interacting with students. And over the course of their investigation, they find that he has violated the district's policies on professional boundaries. They move to start um, firing him termination proceedings, but instead they enter into the settlement agreement with him in August of 2017 that allows him to resign. And as part of that settlement, um, both the district and Mr. Chan agree to certain things. He waives his right to sue the school district or seek future employment with them. He also, you know, advocates say, importantly, agrees not to use them as a reference moving forward. And there's criticism of provisions like that because it's argued that that 
might stymie the flow of information or the news of these allegations getting to a future employer. In exchange, the district says it's also not going to disclose the contents of Mr. Chan's personnel file unless they are officially requested to do so. And official requests include things like court order or subpoenas. Well, you mentioned job recommendations. I mean, that seems to be the big concern here. And it's a it's a broader concern in school districts and a, a lot of other places. I mean, why is there so much concern about these kinds of settlement agreements? So the concern, and it's been one for years, is that you're going to have an educator or employee of the district who has access to children as part of their job. They've had well-founded allegations of misconduct against them and then are able to get hired by another district without that district knowing. And so that's the big concern, that that information about a well-founded allegation and investigation is not passed from one district to another when they are considering hiring this person. And um, critics of these types of settlement agreements say that these can inhibit that information from being passed along, and it can allow someone who has had substantiated allegations of misconduct to get hired again and be in a position where they have access to children and students. In other words, if I'm a district and I have a a job candidate and I know that that candidate worked somewhere else like San Francisco, what can I get when I call this past district? Can I just get start and end date or can I hear about everything in the personnel file? So lawyers we talked to had differing thoughts on this. One of the lawyers we spoke to who is quoted in the article said that by law, school districts are allowed to reveal information related to well-founded allegations of misconduct against employees. Um, And it's not just school districts that can get that information. Media organizations, the public, through public records requests, are supposed to be able to get that information. And that is because the courts have ruled that um, the interest, the public interest outweighs the privacy rights of the individual in those cases. And for a district like San Francisco, why not just fire someone who they found has violated policies? So again, lawyers we talked to also said that settlement agreements like this are beneficial for a school district because they don't have to go through protracted termination proceedings and they are also insulated moving forward from related lawsuits. And I just want to be clear, I mean, what did San Francisco say about this case, their handling of the settlement agreement, and what they would do if they got a recommendation call? So we specifically asked San Francisco in this case if they had been contacted by a prospective employer of Mr. Chan's, whether they would have divulged the misconduct allegations. And they declined to specifically comment on that. But they did say that there was nothing in the the settlement agreement that changed their legal obligation to disclose personnel information upon request, including information about well-founded allegations of misconduct. And lawyers we spoke to who reviewed the settlement agreement and the district's responses to us said they appeared to be saying that they would reveal that information if an official request was made. And yet, Cynthia, these concerns persist. Uh, you, you know, we, there's a sense that some school districts simply would give start date and end date to a district who called and asked for a recommendation. So are there efforts to perhaps change this, make it more clear, change the law? Yeah, so each settlement agreement is sort of its own unique thing, and there are different provisions that are worked into 
different employees' settlement agreements. So there are some that are more explicit than this one. And yeah, the concern still persists that even though districts are legally allowed to reveal information related to well-founded allegations of misconduct, they don't in practice, fearing that they may be sued by the you know former employee, and that settlement agreements like this put further restrictions on them and also inhibit the flow of information, even with provisions like the employee not using the district as a reference moving forward. Because of that, in recent years, there's actually been legislation proposed that would have addressed some of these concerns. So, you know, as recently as 2019, there was attempts to pass legislation that would not only ban these types of settlements, but require prospective school district employees to disclose prior findings of misconduct when applying, you know, to another school district. And those were not successful. They failed in the face of opposition from teachers unions and other groups. All right, Cynthia, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks a lot. Thanks to my guest today. She's Chronicle investigative reporter Cynthia Dizikas, to Taya Francesca Price for producing this episode. And thank you for listening.